Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. So I am talking today about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. We're going to be looking at John chapter 10, verses 7 to 18. Um, but before we get to that, I, I, want to, I want to start in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 2 uh, to verse 10. Uh, and, and you'll see why, but this is an important scripture as we start to process what is happening in John chapter 10. So Ezekiel has this vision. He says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God. Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. What were the shepherds doing to the sheep here, according to Ezekiel? They were stealing from the sheep. They were killing the sheep. They were using the sheep as a means for their own ends. They were not doing truly what a shepherd should do, which is care for his flock. And ultimately what they were doing is they were leading the flock to destruction. See, Ezekiel here, he was speaking about evil leadership in Israel. And how the leadership of Israel led to the scattering of the flock of Israel called the dispersion. They were all over the world. And it was because leader after leader, if you read the story of Israel, turned their back on God. And started to use the people of Israel as a means for their own gains. And so because of that, God says, I am going to bring judgment to these people to these leaders, to these shepherds. Judgment is coming. It's one thing I love about God. He promises the day of the Lord for everybody, which is the day of judgment. And so he says he's going to bring judgment to the shepherds of his people, to these leaders. Not only 
does the prophecy say that the Son of Man is going to bring judgment for this evil leadership of his people? But it says that he will rescue the sheep from the mouth of destruction. One of the things I love about prophetic words in the Old Testament is, yeah, they spend a lot of times on judgment, but no matter how many chapters is spent on judgment, it could be anywhere from 1 to 50. Always at the end, there is a promise of a Savior who is coming that is going to make everything right. And so Ezekiel ends this. He says, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. He is talking about the promised Messiah, the Son of Man that was coming. And what happened was this specific passage began to be read every single year at a feast called the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication is what we now know today as Hanukkah. And so Jesus, or the, the leaders, would read this, this passage this, from Ezekiel talking about bad leadership and bad shepherds every year at the Feast of Dedication because what happened during Hanukkah, if you don't know the story, is it is the story of the Maccabees and how the Maccabees threw off the yoke of oppression from the oppressing king that was ruling over Jerusalem at the time, who wanted to set up a statue of Zeus in the temple of God. And so instead of allowing this foreign ruler and foreign leader to profane the temple, the Maccabees rose up, kicked out the oppressor, and then set up what we know as the menorah, the candles, to keep the candle, the fire of God, burning in the temple, which was only supposed to last for one day, because they didn't have enough oil, but lasted for eight days until they were able to bring the oil to keep the fire in the temple going. This was 150 years before the time of Jesus. But one of the things that Jesus always told his people to do, or God always told his people to do in the Old Testament, was to remember his goodness towards them and to remember the great things, his faithfulness towards them. And so they would have feasts constantly. I love the character of God, because so much in the Old Testament and so much of Jesus' life is centered around celebration, is centered around partying, is centered around community of being with people and celebrating the goodness of God through food and drink. And so every year the Jewish leaders would come around to commemorate the Maccabees, to commemorate this time where they were able to throw off the yoke of the oppressor and not allow them to profane the temple and it was called the Feast of Dedication. They would read the scripture from Ezekiel to remember a time when Israel was under bad leadership and how God made it right. In this world, when the leaders of Israel would read this every year, they were kind of inadvertently saying, Israel used to be ruled by poor leaders, but now God has made things right. There is good leadership here in Israel. And so the setting of the conversation that we're going to read in John chapter 10, this conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees is during this feast, the feast of dedication, where they would have gotten up and they would have read the reading, sort of like how every week we read that scripture from Corinthians about the blood and the body of God, and we take communion every, this is something that we do every year, this was something that they did, they read this passage, they expected it, they knew it, they can probably recite it, by heart. And so every year they had this Jesus at this feast has this conversation with the Pharisees, knowing full well what he is doing and what he is saying. And Jesus does something that I love. He does this constantly. If you look at the life of Jesus and his conversations that he has with the Pharisees, 
or anybody, he, people will come to him and ask questions, and, and Jesus will always turn the conversation on its head. Whatever they were expecting to receive from him, whatever they were expecting to have as an answer, whether they were coming for a good thing, like Nicodemus asking Jesus about salvation, or the rich young ruler asking again about salvation, or they were coming for a bad thing, like the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the scribes that were coming to see how they could trip up Jesus and his words. Whatever they came with, Jesus always turned the conversation on its head. And so he does what he always does so well here. He turns everything they think is true on its head. And forgive me, I know you covered some of the verses last week from Pastor Michael, but I'm going to refresh us and read a little because it, it is very important to our context today. In John chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus starts this, this conversation here with the Pharisees, or this part of it. He's already in, in dialogue with the Pharisees uh, from healing the blind man on the Sabbath, and they're very upset at Jesus for doing this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep Hold by the door, but climbs by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. In verse 7, Jesus says this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All right, this is what you read last week. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, the Pharisees are thinking that they are the good shepherds. Leading the people well, the people of Israel, trying to make them keep the law in the way that they believe that the law should be kept. Jesus turns that around on its head here. And he compares the leaders of Israel to the bad shepherds of Ezekiel chapter 34. He calls them thieves and robbers. He tells them that they are the ones that are the poor leaders, that they are the ones who have stolen from the people of God, that they are the ones who have led his people and killed them. They are the ones who have led the people of Israel into destruction. They are the ones these bad leaders with their bad theology who have been leading the people of God have led them into a place of destruction, have led them down into Sheol. But then, Jesus doesn't stop there. We can't forget the promise of Ezekiel that a true shepherd was coming. And so in the light of that, Jesus then gives this discourse in John chapter 10, verse 11, and he says this. It starts off with this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. For there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. That's right, church. This should get us excited. This should encourage us this morning to hear the declaration of Jesus that he is the good shepherd. This is the Savior that we serve. You read about the shepherd who would come to save. Jesus says, you guys... I am that shepherd. He says, I am. In the very beginning of John, he says, I am the I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. See, so many of us think about this thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we want to blame everything on the devil. Let me tell you, the devil is not mentioned once in this passage. We are so scared of the devil when God said of the church that we would storm the gates of hell, that the gates of hell will not prevail. See, we are afraid of the wrong enemy, church. We are afraid of the devil when in reality, Satan is afraid of the church storming the gates of hell. When the church is doing what it's supposed to do, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But there is an enemy that has come to steal, has come to kill, and to destroy the people of God. It is false teachers, it is false leaders who will lead the people of God astray. Who is the one people group, the one person that Jesus is constantly coming after. And then when you read the epistles, epistle after epistle, Paul can't stand these people. Peter can't stand these people. John can't stand these people. Who is it? It is the false teachers, the false prophets, the false leaders that would live off the fat of their people and let them wallow in shame and destruction and die as long as they get their fill. They will leave the sheep to the claws of the wolf as long as they can leave safely. See, we've been afraid of the wrong enemy, the church. We've been afraid of an enemy who has lost its teeth and not thinking about the true enemy who is throwing darts at the church, that Paul is constantly telling the church to stand firm against this falseness. Because the enemy, the wiles that are coming, the darts, the arrows is false doctrine that will distract you from Jesus. See, Jesus describes who is the good shepherd, who is the shepherd, the true leader of the people of God. He describes himself and first off what he says is he is good. I am the good shepherd. Jesus states in Mark 10, somebody comes to him and says, good leader, and he goes, no one is good but God, and that person didn't recognize him as God, so who is he to say what good is? I love Jesus is always throwing these conversations around like, yo, you don't know what you're talking about. So 
What Jesus was saying here, and what we have to understand when, we say, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and with that conversation he has with that person in Mark chapter 10, then we realize, I want you to think of the best person that you've ever known. Right? We all have people that we uh, sinfully compare ourselves to. Or we all have that person in our life that has just been there for us, right? I hope you do. Because that's real community in the body of Christ. Somebody that's been there, that has had your back. That when you're going through something, you can call. That person that will drop what they're doing at the, the drop of a hat and, and be there for you. That will pray with you, that will show up at your house, that will cook for you. Whatever it is. I mean, obviously, the way to my heart is food. Um, but, so my, my friends usually bring food to me. But you, you know that person in your life that has been good. All right, usually everybody, we can think of somebody. And we can go through the laundry list of everything that they've done that in our head has made them, man, this is a good person. Maybe it's somebody we look from afar. But what you need to know about the good shepherd is this, that any goodness that you have ever seen in any person does not compare to the goodness of God. So whatever you see in somebody else and you say, man, that person has been good to me. Then when you look at the shepherd, you realize that his goodness far outweighs, far exceeds, is far and above anything anyone has ever done for you. When God says, when Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. He is saying and comparing, saying, you don't even know what goodness is because everything that you have seen that is good, that is filthy rags, Paul says, in the kingdom of God. Any righteousness, any goodness that you would see that you had on your own or somebody else had, that is filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God, to the goodness of God. See, our shepherd, he loves us. He cares for us. He watches over us. He is good to us like no one else can ever be or will ever be. He is sacrificial. Jesus says that he lays his life down for the sheep. He says it twice here. See, anything, I, I love this about Jesus, anything Jesus calls you to sacrifice, know that he has paid that price and more. Jesus says anybody coming to the kingdom of God needs to count the cost of what it means to follow him before they make that decision because the cost is great, the cost is high, but Jesus is not asking you to pay something, is not asking you to sacrifice something that he has not already sacrificed well and above any measure that any of us could sacrifice on our own. He is the sacrificial lamb of God. He does not call us to do something he hasn't. In fact, he leads the way by his example his sacrificial leadership. He doesn't just talk about sacrifice. He has done sacrifice. And he was not forced. He wanted everybody to know, don't get it twisted. Nobody can take my life from me. We need to not forget that we are talking about Jesus, Yahweh. 
No one can snatch his life from him. This was not something that the devil won some great victory over Jesus. And Jesus was like caught by surprise like, you got me. But I got one more trick up my sleeve before you win. Let's see if that works. That wasn't what it was like. Jesus says, no one can take me. No one can take my life. I lay it down. I lay my life down of my own volition, of my own willingness. In my own power, I give it up because he is the good shepherd. He protects us. When the enemy is trying to sneak in and snatch and devour you, Jesus isn't like, yo, I'm out. Some of y'all have been serving something and it's not Jesus because your Savior be leaving every time in your hard times. I think you're, you're serving some God of your own creation, some God of the world. You know, Netflix ain't going to cuddle you all the time in your depression. Instagram ain't going to make you feel better about yourself when you're feeling lonely and down. And your God be running away from you all the time. Now, I remember my parents aren't here, so I can share some stories. You know, who, who, how many remember 90s New York City is way different than 2020s New York City? You know, 90s New York City, when I was roaming these streets of New York City with my friends, we used to do this thing where I was just like, why did we do this thing? But there used to be glass bottles everywhere in New York City on the street. I don't know if anybody remembers glass bottles everywhere. It was one of the biggest joys of my life when I was younger to find a Snapple bottle that had not yet been broken. Because I used to love to take that Snapple bottle, whoever found it first, whoever ran to it the quickest, and I was usually the quickest of my friends, would get that Snapple bottle and be able to break that bottle on the street however they wanted. And I just loved the sound of the crashing bottle. It just made this really nice sound whenever it hit the pavement. So if you ever got mad at a kid for breaking glass bottles and leaving it on the street and not cleaning up, you can be mad at me. And so one night, it was probably 10 o'clock at night, I'm roaming around with my friends, and I take a, find a Snapple bottle, and, you know, just kids do dumb things. Like, what, what was I thinking? I decide I'm going to launch the Snapple bottle as high as I can in the air, not thinking about what direction the Snapple bottle is going. And it flies into the air, and then I'm like, oh, this is great. This is going to make a great noise when it comes down. And then I start to watch it come down. I'm like, oh, crap, that's going into the street. Oh, man, cars are coming. Oh, man, what's going to happen? Boom, lands right in front of a car. Car stops, skids, and out of the car, three dudes pop out. And I'm just like, I'm going to die tonight. What was I doing? And I'm with two of my homies. And I'm like, all right, it's three on three. We a little, we little, but let's see what's going to happen. And, and I turn back, and I'm like, yo, y'all, y'all ready? One of my boys was already two blocks away. He was gone. I'll never forget that time. I was like, yeah, you're not my friend anymore. Our friendship was never the same after that day. The other side, my other boy was ready to fight with me. He was ready to fight. He wasn't going anywhere. But that other kid, he was, he was gone. We weren't friends. I was like, yo, if you're not down when I'm about to get jumped, then you're not down. I'm sorry. You're not. That's right. 
And Jesus, he's that homie that is like, yo, I ain't going anywhere. When that wolf pulls up, when that enemy pulls up and is trying to destroy you and you are in the clutches of his teeth, guess what? I'm coming. And we're going to show that wolf who's boss. We're going to show them what the kingdom of God is about, that nobody is going to snatch my children out of my hands. Nobody is going to be able to take out God's children and his sheep because he is the shepherd that fights for his children, that fights for his sheep. He is not some hired hand. Not some fearful friend that the first sign of danger he runs. No, that's when he shines in my life. That when I look around me, as David said, my enemies are all around me. I have wasted away. I look down and I can see my own bones. That is when Jesus is still with him. With David in the cave, with me in my head with you in your home, whatever that looks like, Jesus ain't running. He's with you. He protects you. He's watching over you. He knows you. So that's the other thing about the shepherd, the good shepherd. He knows us. This word know here is that intimate type of know. He knows everything about us. It's the same knowledge that him and the Father share, which is the most intimate of all knowledges. They know each other deeply. See, for me, this is both horrifying and liberating. This is horrifying because if I am honest, I don't want anybody to know what goes on in this head and in this heart. To know all the things that I have done, to know everything that I have thought, that I have been tempted on and acted on, to know everything. I remember 10 years ago, the worst job interview I ever had for a church, uh, not in this state, I was thinking about moving out to get some experience, and the, the interviewer, uh, I was being interviewed by a lady, and she was like, listen, I gotta go, there's a guy that's gonna come and finish the interview. Now, if you know anything about church culture, that means you know what kind of questions are coming up next, and I was like, yo, what kind of interview is this? And so the guy starts asking all these invasive questions, and I'm being honest with him. And then he gets to a question, he goes, this is a yes or no question. You cannot say anything but yes or no. He's like, okay. He goes, have you done anything or any sin that you have never told anybody about? And I was like, did I tell somebody about that one? I think I told, yep, told somebody about that. Yep, told somebody. Definitely didn't tell anybody about that one. Uh, didn't tell anybody about that one either. And so I remember I was, I wanted to explain myself so badly when I answered, yes, there is sin that I've never told anybody about. But I wasn't allowed to. He said this is, he, he said it like five times. This is yes. Or, he must have had so many people trying to explain themselves <laughs> that he was just done with it. He's like, yo, you're the hundredth interviewee, and I ain't trying to get no explanation for your sinfulness, okay? I just want a yes or no. So I said yes. He said, okay, thank you, and just walked away, and the other lady came back. See, it's horrifying to me to know that there is somebody, and not just anybody, but God himself that knows everything about me. 
knows every sin, every little thing I've ever done in secret, everything I've tried to hide away, everything that I've even forgotten about because they were either too bad or I just moved on. God knows all of that. But on the other end of that stick, it's also liberating. Because here's the God that knows everything about me. Here's the God who knows every detail, every sin, every terrible thing I've ever done. And says that while you were still sinners, I died for you. To be fully known and still be fully loved is one of the greatest pieces of news any human can ever receive. Our experience is the more someone gets to know me, the least they like me. The less that they're going to want to be around me. That's why marriage is so difficult. Because this is a person that gets to know you more than anybody else. And guess what? We're ugly. Our heart is deceitful and wicked. But here is the God who not only knows us, but in that intimate knowing loves us. This is not a, I loved you and then I got to know you. And I was like, yo, step back. No, this was, I know you. I already know about that. I know about that. Been knowing about that love you want to be close to you want to be next to you and he ends with this that he came for us all the sheep not of this fold that Jesus talks about were the Gentiles and I think most of us here are the Gentiles the non-Jews See, it goes back to the Abrahamic blessing when when God said to Abraham, through you I will bless all the nations. Israel had forgotten about that. Their, Their whole mentality became insular. This was about us, and this was about God blessing us and us doing something great. It was not about blessing the nations. It was about ruling the nations for Israel. They were supposed to be priests to the world, but never were. Instead, Jesus comes as the great high priest, and sacrifices himself, not just for Israel, but for all who believe, fulfilling that once promise long ago to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The end of this statement from Jesus leaves many of us in the same place that it left the people Jesus was talking to. In verse 20 it says this, Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of of the blind? Is Jesus just crazy? Or is Jesus Lord? If you think he is crazy, fine. Go home. And see where other people's leadership will take you in life. If you haven't become old enough to distinguish... And be disenfranchised with presidents, bosses, and gurus. Then just give it time. You will be soon. If he is Lord, then when you walk away, you should walk away with praise on your lips. With encouragement in your heart. 
Because what you heard today was God's nature and his character as our leader and our shepherd. This was not a conditional if then. This was the I am. I am your protector. I am the good shepherd. I am the one who lays his life down for the sheep. This wasn't based on who we are. This is who he is. And that should give you all a reason to rejoice and take heart today, to walk home, to drive home in the morning tomorrow, on Wednesday, on Friday. Wake up and like Jesus taught us to pray, say, praise be to your name. Let that be the first thing off your lips every day, not a complaint, not an ask, not to be in temptation, not give me this daily bread, but Father, praise be to your name. Because before anything I ask and anything we're going to accomplish today, you deserve praise. Because of who you are and what you've done. Can you stand and pray with me right now? Jesus, we surrender to you. All of us who walk away as some of the people did of Israel and say, he is Lord. We surrender our hearts to you, knowing that in your hands, the good shepherd, there is no better place for our hearts and our lives to be. There is no one who can care for us better. There is no one who can love us more. There is no one who can know us deeper. And there is no one that can protect us greater. We lay ourselves down before you. We repent of the ways that we have walked to other things and other people. We have given in to the lie of the thief. And we have allowed our joy to be robbed. And we have allowed falsehoods to permeate our hearts. We repent of those things right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come with your conviction and you come, Lord, to draw us closer to you. We lay it all down before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.